Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Welcome back, everybody. This episode is about mediation and how to handle the hurdles in mediation. But you know, this actually starts before mediation. Some of the hurdles will be uh, exchanged, argued about before people even come to the mediation. And so I say the same thing to everybody. Let it go. Do not argue. It, it doesn't make any sense to argue about anything. And then people want to call out the lawyers. Well, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm just going to hire a lawyer like you're in the Wild West and this is a six-gun shooter. Lawyers are unbelievably expensive. If you have money, if you're high net worth and there's a lot to work out, yeah, Lawyers can be very, very important, as can forensic accountants, as can other people that will provide services to organize all of the assets and maybe some of the debt that goes along with a high net worth divorce. And that doesn't mean that people have to argue. That just means you really want people that are used to litigating and dealing with high net worth issues to participate in helping you create a settlement. But for most people, the arguing gets in the way. The fact that people argue and can't sit down and calmly talk about all the stuff that's related to a divorce settlement from child support, the co-parenting schedule, spousal support slash alimony. Um, you take your assets, I'll take mine. Only one person has so many more assets than the other person. It, it goes on and on. Or, you know, the garden variety threats about um, how dare you divorce me? Let it go. Let it go. Don't argue because typically, the pre-mediation arguments have to do with fear. They have to do with one person being extremely fearful about the future or being extremely prideful that you're asking for a divorce. They don't want it. It doesn't make them look good. You're now in control. They're not anymore because you've dared to ask for a divorce. People have good reasons for asking for a divorce, and it has to be what it has to be. But just don't spend the time arguing. What I tell people before they get to mediation, before a professional, a a family law professional is engaged, when you're on your own, just talking to one another, the easy way to deal with I'll take you for everything, which we're going to talk about in a minute when I talk about some of the mediation challenges. Uh, but uh, how dare you? Don't think you can get away with this. I'll take the kids. It, it's all of these empty threats that if they had even gotten legal advice, they would have known makes them not look so good. But so many times people just say, you know what? I was just scared. I didn't know what to do. That's what I said. And so now, now I realize the divorce is going forward. So that's why I say don't engage, don't engage, don't engage. Do your best to calm things down before you engage other people for the divorce. And if you have any of this disruption, any of this uh, disagreement. Don't try and do the paperwork yourself. Get a professional involved. So we have mediators, we have document preparation people in many states, not in every state. Thank God we have them here in California. And then you have lawyers, but lawyers are super expensive. So I always say you need a lawyer for legal advice so that you don't say crazy things that you're going to regret that are going to make you look bad. You know, get legal advice. Absolutely get legal advice, but use lawyers when they need to be used. 
not when they don't need to be used, just as a, as, as a shield, as a protective measure. There's so much you can do if you know how to communicate. Communication is your key to control. Communication is your key to saving money. Communication is your key to winning over your spouse so that this isn't a battle. And it shouldn't be. Just because you don't want to be married to somebody doesn't make you a criminal, doesn't mean you should have a battle, and you have to let your spouse have the time that they need to calm down, get a fresh perspective. And by the way, if you are, uh, if you are served when you didn't even know your spouse was going to file, still stay calm. I mean, honestly, it is very disconcerting to see a lawyer's name on a piece of paper, but just lawyers are people. (laughs) That's all. They know the law, but you can know the law too. All right. So mediation, how to handle hurdles. So I suggest to people, let's go to mediation before filing. If this is a very volatile situation, let's mediate first. And that way it can calm down. A reality check can be made. You can both know better where you stand with each other and where the settlement may go. The compromise may or may not be if you engage a mediator before you start filing, which is really opposite from what I used to want to do. I used to want to start the filing first, exchange disclosure forms, which means I have your financial information. I know what your co-parenting wish list looks like. I have your list of assets and debts, and then I can participate in the best way possible Uh, when I'm helping you negotiate. But now I've come to, after 12 years of doing this, I've come to realize, you know, sometimes you just need to mediate first. Sometimes people need to know where they're going, what to expect with the settlement before they start the filing. And then the filing becomes easy. So we learn as we grow. Even I learn as I grow to change my preferred way of doing things. So number one, mediation is an opportunity to compromise. That's what I say mediation is. It's an opportunity to create a settlement that works for everyone. So what I say to people is, powering down my cell phone, what I say to people is mediation is a discussion. It's a negotiation. And it's the opportunity to work out a settlement that works for both of you. It's not an argument and it's not therapy. So a mediator does handle your emotions. I mean, people are emotional when they come to mediation. Absolutely. Um, Some people are calm or they appear calm, but they're not so much so inside, they're, they're scared inside, but they appear calm. And there's other people that are just plain old angry. Those are the hardest people to deal with because getting through that anger is rough. You don't know what happened in the marriage. If you're in a no-fault divorce state, which most states are now, you don't ask until people volunteer what happened. They eventually do, but they most people don't give the full story. When a mediator knows the full story, it's so much easier to mediate. But if you're in a no-fault divorce state, you're not allowed to ask. So once in a great while, I will ask for a little bit of history. Like I'll ask for the history of an asset. I'll ask for the history of a debt. I'll ask for the history of how the parent-child relationship has evolved. You know, I'll ask questions like that just to give me a perspective. But when people come in thinking the mediator needs to see how horrible their relationship is, no, we don't. No, we don't. I'm telling you right now, it makes it much more difficult to mediate for you when you're arguing because half our time is spent time out, parenting you, calming you down. Uh, And that's not our job. Well, 
It's our secondary job, but it takes away from the work we can do. And bad-mouthing your spouse, please, you know, don't do that. It makes you look bad. It doesn't make the mediator uh, think ill of your spouse. Actually, you could easily prejudice the mediator against you. And it's really hard to come back from that. It is. So, you know, we're human beings too. Judges have their prejudices. Mediators can have their prejudices. And we all work really hard to overcome them and not let them get in our way. So do yourself a favor as well as the mediator and don't air dirty laundry or don't don't um uh don't argue don't speak ill of your spouse and if you're going to tell a story tell the whole story don't tell you just a little version of the story then your spouse gets mad that's not really how it happened this is how it happened Maybe you don't see it the same way your spouse does, but you dang well know parts of the story are being left out. And the whole story needs to come out. It eventually will, but sometimes people don't think the whole story is necessary, yet they'll argue. But when the whole story comes out and is told, all of a sudden the arguing stops because, okay, well, here it is. Here's the whole story. Now what do you want to do, mediator? The whole story needs to come out. So it's not therapy. It's not an argument, but your emotions are on the table quite often. And sometimes you just can't hold it in. Sometimes you've, you've waited so long to be able to speak your mind, to be able to have somebody in the room with somebody who you felt has abused you emotionally and verbally maybe even financially and physically. Yeah, you just need somebody in the room so that you can tell your story. And once it gets out, it's out, and then people can move on. So it's a real balancing act for everybody in a mediation if the grieving process has not been gone through. Because you know I've said on many other episodes You need to grieve before filing. And I'm going to take it a step further. You need to grieve before mediating. If you can grieve, if you can get through the shock, anger, denial, bargaining, acceptance, depression, if you can get through all of that, now you're ready to make settlement decisions. Now you're ready to have settlement settlement help. But you know, sometimes... Mediation will serve as a pivotal point to heal a wound that's never been discussed, addressed, or really defined. And that's what mediation allows for. I can tell when people are negotiating settlement points and it just doesn't make sense. And I'm wondering, well, what's going on? What's behind the scenes? Why aren't you dividing your pension exactly in half and you want to divide it a thousand or two less? There's punishment in that decision to not divide it completely. There was a mediation that I did years ago. It's one of my most memorable mediations because they they were very calm people. It was a long-term marriage, but she he was on sabbatical in in some other continent. He was on sabbatical doing some work. She was back at the house and decided her mother had passed, left her a house mortgage-free, and she decided to move in the house while he was away without telling him, without telling him. And when he came home, her stuff was gone. His stuff was there. Nothing was messed up. But her stuff was gone, and they didn't really speak of it. He was so hurt, he didn't know what to say. And she, I guess, didn't think it was worthy of a conversation. Listen, that kind of tells me she was real uncomfortable with her decision and didn't maybe know how to bring it up. I mean, that's really, that's big to move out of the house. 
without telling your spouse and they come home and they see all your stuff gone. Yes, that was the beginning of the divorce talk. And when I got them in mediation, he didn't want to divide his pension equally. He wanted to uh, keep one or $2,000 more. And I said, this is really odd. People either want to divide their pension or they don't. But I had never really dealt with somebody who didn't, who wanted to divide it a thousand or two less than, than should have been. And, and so I, I asked him, I said, that represents something. What does it represent? And he told me the story I just shared with you. And I said, Oh my stars. That was in an email. We exchanged this conversation and she was part of the email. And I was waiting for her to say something like, I'm sorry. I know. I didn't know how to talk about it. It was too, too overwhelming for me too. I mean, something. I was looking for something. And so when I didn't see an email come back addressing it, I called her and I said, I, I noticed you didn't email back. Did you separately call him and, 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 you know, and, and are you having a talk? She said, no. Am I supposed to address it? Yes. You're supposed to address it. You're supposed to explain to him why. He needs to know. He was crushed. Who wouldn't be? You need to talk about it. So they actually went out to dinner and emailed me back. It was the best dinner they had had in years. They resolved everything. No need for another mediation. Cowabunga. Love that. And they're ready to finish their settlement and the pension was divided evenly. Isn't that something? Yeah. That's what communication will do. That's what being vulnerable will do. That's what being honest will do. That's what talking, just talking and sharing will do. It'll take away the pain. I I, I mean, I love that story. It's one of my favorite stories. Okay, number two. People should know the law going into the mediation and be prepared to work around the law for a compromise that benefits both spouses. Do not come to the mediation without getting legal advice. You've heard me say this a million times. Do not come to the mediation without getting legal advice, especially if there's things you need legal advice uh, for. So, one of the typical reasons why, uh, one of the biggest reasons, sorry about that, one of the biggest reasons people need to get legal advice is so you don't say crazy things that don't make sense. Yeah, you need to learn the law. It doesn't mean you can't work around the law. You need to learn the law so that you don't make statements that make you look ridiculous, make you look like you're trying to bully somebody. Um, but again, I mean, my heart goes out to everybody. It's fear. It's fear talking. So learn the law. Spend an hour. Do not try and cheap out. Do not try and do 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there with different attorneys so that you don't have to spend money. Spend money. Spend money for one hour of a good attorney talking to you. Learning everything. Pros and cons. And then, you know, have the attorney say, well, you know what, really, where should I, where should I focus? What should I really look at that's high priority? Where can I compromise? You know, go, go through that with an attorney. They're worth their weight in gold when they're giving legal advice. And then you come to the mediation as an educated person. And you won't say things like, I'm going to bullet point for you in the next section. I'm finding that more and more people are seeking legal advice, but you know, they don't always want to tell their spouse they've gotten legal advice. They want to keep it close to the vest. But tell your spouse, for heaven's sakes. Just say, look, I got an hour of legal advice. I really think you should do the same. Let's be educated when we go to the mediation so that our mediator can do the best job for us because we're both educated. 
Now, listen, with that, people don't remember everything correctly. They really, really don't. Or if they don't tell their me- their attorney the full story, if they leave valuable pieces of the story out, well, that could shade the legal advice. Maybe an attorney would give you different legal advice if you didn't leave out valuable pieces of the story that affects the distribution of an asset or a debt. You know, your attorney needs to hear truth. Your attorney needs the advantage of you saying, listen, here's the pro and con. This is what I did. This is what he did. Or this is what I did. This is what she did. I mean, you you do need to be as inclusive of all of the information humanly possible in the story, in the timeline, so that your attorney can give you his or her best. And if your attorney wants to fight, if that's where your attorney wants to go, get somebody else. Because uh, this is uh, this is seriously um, an issue with me. We are all dealing with people's lives. We are all dealing with the hurt that people have experienced in their marriages, in their relationship. If there are children, we are all dealing with the effects of however we work, whatever we say to our clients. You know, that that could hurt and be devastating to the kids, detrimental. You really, really have to be careful. If you want an attorney that will fight, you have to have a special case for that. You have to be dealing with somebody that has maybe serious mental health challenges, a sociopath, a high-end narcissist that you can't reason with at all. But I'm telling you, I think there's a way of dealing with narcissists. I don't think there's a way of dealing with sociopaths. I really, really don't. A sociopath does not adhere to law. They don't care. There are no boundaries. They will do what they want to do. I think you need a judge in these cases. I think you need to cut to the chase, get to the court, get a judge to make decisions, do all of that, you know, and and see if that works. Because all the money you're going to spend trying to negotiate with a sociopath, money down the drain. You just want to go straight law. Just go straight law. You know, don't ask for anything more. And if you can compromise and give up some things that don't affect you, do that too. Get out of that relationship. But do not go into, quote unquote, a tug of war. It is just not worth your health, your physical health, your mental health, and your financial welfare. Not worth it at all. Come educated, but move it forward as fast as you can if you're dealing with somebody who's completely unreasonable and there's no way to reach them. Okay, number three, typical mediation challenges and how to handle them. Number one, one of the biggest ones, spousal support slash alimony. And the, and the state will, the statement will be spousal support is a non-starter, not going to do it. Okay, now this is interesting when it comes from somebody who has already gotten legal advice and more than likely knows it is a starter. It is, it's not going to go away. Just because you say it's a non-starter doesn't mean it's not going to, it's not going to start. You have to talk about it. If it's, if it's available, if you have a spouse that makes a lot less than you, you're going to talk about it either in mediation, at the settlement conference with attorneys, or in front of a judge in a trial. But you know what that means to me, and this is how I handle it in mediation, and I want you to try and, and see this. It means fear. That's what it means. It means I'm seriously scared. That's when a man has to pay spousal support. A little different when a woman has to pay spousal support. It means something else. I'll get to that in a minute. But when a man says it's a non-starter, I will tell you, typically, it means they're up in age. They may be retiring soon. And they don't understand that you can scale down the payments to spousal support. 
it doesn't have to be the exact same amount when you retire, when the payor retires, than when it's established. You just write it in your settlement agreement that when uh, the payor retires, it will be recalculated. You know, you can't pay on what you don't make. So to say it's a non-starter, it goes nowhere. It, it just makes the other person mad. And the mediator will look at you like you haven't gotten legal advice or you don't care. So what I do in situations like that, I just say, talk to me about this. What, what's behind this? And then the, then the reasoning will come. Well, either I'm ready to retire in a few years. What am I, you know, I need the money for myself. And then I say, not a problem. Understandable. It'll be recalculated. It'll be a much less amount then, depending on what you're earning in Social Security, what you're earning in your pension. And then that kind of changes it, turns it around. All of a sudden, some of the fear goes away. Or I don't want to be connected to you anymore. And spousal support connects the spouses. And in a divorce, you want to walk away and never think about it, especially if you don't have minor children. But if you're if if you're near retirement age, yeah, you 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 want to know where your financial security is. So at least saying no, it can be recalculated. Don't worry about it. Or let's look at the distribution of another asset. If you really can't, let me run the numbers first. Let's deal in reality. So I stop and I run the numbers. Let's deal in reality. Let's see where your fear level should be. If it's a tiny amount of money, then you know what? The fear is gone. So that generally moves the conversation forward. But let me tell you, as I've said on other other podcast episodes, when it's a woman paying spousal support, worse than a man, worse. How dare you? You really think you want to take money from a woman? Yes, I do, because you want to take money from a male employer. You want to make as much as I do, if not more. Yes, yes. So women, don't, don't even go there. Don't even go there. It's not an arguable point. We have to be creative in a different way. You always have to ask the person who would be receiving spousal support, why are you requesting it? So you deal with the person who's scared of paying it. It's a non-starter by saying, well, it has to at least be discussed because it's part of the law and he or she is asking for it. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about why you don't want it to be a non-starter. Let's talk about, have you thought about a compromise to this? And then for the woman, let's not demean your husband. Let's not make it a gender issue. This is a financial issue. Let's, let's look at why the request for spousal support is being made. And when you start opening up the conversation like that, they start talking. You can't help it. You've just made it as a mediator, a conversation. And then it really does move a little smoother. It does. Number two, separate property money, inheritance or savings became community property money at one point in time. You know, this is tough. This is a very difficult situation because timing is is important in this. So in most states, well, in community property states, um, there are things that are separate property, even during the marriage. So if you're married and you inherit money, it's separate property. It's not community property. If you have savings that are put, that put into an account uh, earned well before the marriage, not disturbed, separate property money. If somebody gifted you money, separate property money, even during the marriage. But the timing of this is interesting. So if you're in a fairly long-term marriage and you've inherited a lot of money and you're doing fine, you know, you're getting along, nobody's talking about divorce, you know, you put it into a community bank account or a community IRA or something that is community property. That's normal. 
husband and wives do that, spouses for you know same same sex marriages, spouses do it all the time, and then you're getting divorced, and now you've technically made separate property money community property. You really have, especially if it happened years before the divorce was going to be filed for. It still can be part of the mediation, by the way. If you know it's separate property money, other spouse, do you want to let your spouse keep it? Do you want to negotiate somehow that they keep all or some of it? You don't have to, but it can be part of the negotiation, especially if you're asking for something else. So maybe the negotiation can be, well, that was 10 years ago. And when we put it into this account, it was to deal with the house. It was to deal with the kids college. It was to deal with something for the family. But now that we're getting divorced and money is a little tight, things haven't turned out exactly the way we thought financially. If, if one, if the spouse who didn't inherit the money is, would like to have spousal support, maybe you can negotiate giving some of that inheritance back to your spouse in exchange for spousal support, even though spousal support is part of the law. Again, mediation is compromise, and you want to leave the mediation on good terms. I do not believe that both people should feel uh, that they were hurt or they gave up a lot in order for the mediation or the negotiation to be right now. I think both people should feel good that they've compromised, that they've worked out a deal that was a little aside from the law, but that worked for them. So if, if the inheritance happened right before the divorce, okay, that's easy. Do not, hopefully you didn't mix your money in with community property money because technically you made a community property. Any attorney is going to say that. But um, if it just happened, you have more negotiating room because you didn't start using it for the family. And uh, it's easier to try and negotiate for some of that to come back to you. Three. I will only accept a 50-50 custody deal with the kids. Parenthetically, even though I'm never home, even though I don't have the time to spend with the kids, parenthetically, I want a 50-50 custody deal. So here's the deal on that. Do you want a 50-50 custody deal like most people because it saves you money in child support? I think the answer would be yes. Okay, that's a horrible reason to ask for 50-50. Horrible reason. These are children. These are human beings. And so what? if you're going to spend half the time with the kids, you've got to spend half the time with the kids. You can't give them to your parents. You can't give them to your sister or brother. You can't give them to relatives. You actually have to be with them. You have to do their homework, cook dinner for them, go out with them, do things with them, read to them before they go to bed. Depending on how old they are, you read from different from different sources, right? But still, 50-50. No, I want 50-50. That's the law. I want 50-50. But you're not home enough, the other parent will say. You don't know what to do with them. You've never, you've never cooked. You've never done anything. Not faulting you for that. I'm happy that you went out and earned money. I was happy to be the the caretaker, that's cool. But how about we work up to 50-50? Let's see how you handle 70-30. Then let's see, no, let's see how you handle 80-20, then going to 70-30, then go to 60-40 and work your way up to 50-50. Because honestly, once you have 50-50, you're going to pick them up from school? Are you going to go to their after-school events? Are you able to do that? People don't think it through. In mediation, you will be thinking it through with your mediator. And one of the best ways to break that impasse of 50-50 is this, the mediator. 
Well, let's look at the kids' schedules. Let's look at when they get up, when they go to school, when school is over, what types of activities are they in after school, how much homework do they have to do, dinner, bed. Once you write the kids' schedules down, then let's have everybody address Can you pick them up after school with your job? Do you need to bring them to tutoring? Do you need to hire somebody else? You know, there is Lyft for children. There is a Lyft service for children. Yep. But where are you going to, but where is Lyft going to take them? So there's all these other considerations that come into play. So don't get upset when your spouse says, I want 50-50, and you really figure it's for less child support. Don't even argue. At least before the mediation, don't argue. See how your mediator handles it. See if your mediator says, well, okay, let's see how this can work. And then you, it's addressed from the point of acknowledging the request. So you don't want to say no. You acknowledge the request, and then you let the person who more than likely can't handle 50-50 really work through and process the reality. And so often, when they get their way, they want to change and go back because it's easier not to have 50-50. And Paying the money. I mean, to have more time to work and earn money is a good thing. And then be with your children when you have the time to be with your children, when you're not on the cell phone, when you're not on the computer, when you can play with them, talk to them, go places with them, show them you care. That's what the kids need. So it's so easy to work around, I want a 50-50 schedule. It's so easy in mediation. So don't sweat that before you come into mediation. Let your mediator take over for that. Okay, um, four, I'm not addicted to drugs. I just take them recreationally. Okay, even if you take them recreationally, you can't take them while you're with the kids. Not allowed. You must be focused, present. So what do you do if you have a spouse who you know is addicted, who sneaks? Who hides? Maybe goes to work like that. What do you do? Okay, you can't let the kids be with that person. You actually now need to talk. This is where you seriously need to engage engage an attorney, and I would bring an attorney to mediation. I would literally ask an attorney to come to mediation. You need somebody of very high authority speaking on this topic. And explaining that if the spouse who was not addicted lets the kids go to the spouse who is addicted and something happens, both spouses are responsible. Both spouses are, you need an attorney to say that in the mediation. So I would definitely say, you know what? Let's just get some, some legal advice inside of the mediation. Let's get an attorney. Maybe we should bro- both bring attorneys because there's ways to handle this. So a lot of times, I mean, it takes a while before somebody goes to drug users anonymous, whatever the drug is, alcohol, heroin. I mean, they have breakout. AAs for every drug known to mankind. If somebody is not acknowledging that they have a substance abuse issue, you really do need to involve attorneys. I still say stick it and put it in mediation, but have attorneys participate. This is a big, big discussion. So kids want both parents around them. So if one parent is addicted to substance, Let's get that parent help. Let's do the best we can to say, look, you're not a bad person. Just because you're addicted, you're not a bad person. I'm not addicted. I just once in a while. It appears that you are. And taking cocaine or meth or anything, you know, sometimes people, you know, sometimes people are emotionally addicted to marijuana. Marijuana is not physically addicting like all these other drugs are. 
Come on, it's not. But it's emotionally addicting a lot of times. People feel they need it. Just like sugar is addicting. People feel they need it. So to address it with compassion, that's what needs to happen. And for a lawyer to be there explaining the reality, if something happened on your watch, here are the devastating consequences. That needs to come out in a mediation, which is confidential. Nothing in a mediation gets to be discussed outside of the mediation. So you don't have to worry about it. But for you, the person who may have a substance abuse issue, please know that people want to help you. People want you to get better. People want you to be the best version of yourself you can possibly be. And so take this opportunity to get the help you need. Use divorce as the event that allows you to change your life for the better, and it will be so much better. I'll do what I want on my co-parenting time, number five. Well, this is really tough. This means that the spouses are still warring. This means that one spouse is angry at the spouse he or she is talking to when when he or she says, I'll do what I want. That means there's still anger there. That means that that person feels controlled by the other spouse. So it needs to be addressed on that level. And maybe something like, I don't want to control you. I really don't. I want you to develop the relationship with our son Um that will benefit both of you. I don't want to stand in your way, but our son needs consistency. Our son needs both of us to stand united in co-parenting. Tell me what I can do to work with you so that we can have as stable a situation as possible with our son so that both households operate very similarly, whether it's the food that we put into his body to the amount of time on video games, when our child goes to bed, um, who our child plays with. If you could talk about it in terms of what the real issue is. And the real issue is about your relationship with each other. That's the real issue. No parent would say that to the other parent unless there's a control issue. And that's the culprit. That's what needs to be addressed is the control. Uh, the feeling of you've diminished me all the time. So now I have an opportunity to diminish you, to ignore your requests, to squash you, to do what I want to do. Just like Eric Cartman on South Park, I do what I want. I do what I want. Excellent example, don't you think? <laughs> I am still a child by nature. But that's one of the ways to handle that hurdle in a mediation. Just start saying, look, I know you're angry at me. I know that you don't want to be controlled by me. And it sounds like maybe you think I'm trying to control you. I'm not. I'm really not. I just want us to be a united front for our child. That's the way to handle it. Make it child focused. Because when both parents similarly um, handle the big ticket items in co-parenting, food, bedtime, video games, things like that, homework. You know, when both parents are united on that front, then you can be individual, you know, then you can go out and have fun with your child and do the things that you want to do with him. That, that, that you'll still have your unique parenting time. You really will. But address the culprit, and that's the anger that's going on in, this, in the co-parent's relationship. Number six, I'm going to be working less. I've been wanting to enjoy life more. That it will only be said if there's child or spousal support on the table. 
And I have to, I have to kind of laugh sometimes when I hear it. It's like, do you really think nobody knows what you're talking about? That this is a smokescreen for not wanting to pay child or spousal support? It is. So that's an easy one to say, to, to deal with. And the mediator can really step in and help and say, you know, you've been an excellent earner. I did this in a mediation before because the wife did tell the husband, this was a million years ago, you know, you are wonderful at supporting the family. The reason why we're getting divorced is not about money, but you've been wonderful supporting the family. You've worked a lot. He had two jobs. He was a firefighter and and I forget what else he did. So he worked a lot, but he supported the family well. And so when it was time to get divorced, he said, well, um, I'm willing to give up some of my work. I'm willing to so that I can spend more time with the kids. And I said, well, what will that look like financially? Now that was, he didn't want to cut down on the money. He actually wanted to spend more time with the kids. And I just said, you know, you've been an excellent breadwinner and you have private school coming up. You have all these things coming up. Is there a way we can coordinate the co-parenting schedule so that you can continue to work because you've been highly successful at it and it helps you too making more money, but how can we arrange for you to be with your children as much as possible? And we put together a very flexible co-parenting schedule where she would give him the children if he had uh, um, an unexpected day off. Okay, fine, take the kids. She was willing to change the co-parenting schedule whenever she needed to, just so he could still be an excellent earner. But then there was another situation where um, there wasn't an enormous amount of money going around. And there were I don't know, one or two kids, I can't remember. And he continuously said, you know, I've been wanting to cut down on the work. And I looked at what he was making and I said, and how are you going to survive? Forget that there's child support. How are you going to survive? How much are you going to cut out of your budget? And we just did a budget. And I just approached it in terms of dollars and cents. So what does this look like? And I mean, it was obvious you can't stop working. You can't. You you need the money to survive. You, you don't have that much of a cushion. So don't worry about that either. That can be easily handled by just a reality check. Dollars and cents, working out a budget. That's the easiest way to diffuse an argument. Because a lot of times people argue about who's going to keep the house. Well, let's do a budget. Let's see how you're going to afford the house. And when we do a budget, it's obvious. You can't afford the house, but you will benefit from the money you're going to make in your half of the equity. And you can live well on that. You can invest it. You can buy another house. Dollars and cents, working out a budget, bringing things down to numbers. That is your best friend and your best way to get over that hurdle. Uh, Seven, lose my last name. So this is when... The man wants the woman to get rid of his name and go back to her maiden name. Well, a lot of women do want to go back to their maiden name. But if there are children involved, women don't want to sometimes. It affects school. It affects social relationships. You know, people, mothers want people to know they're the mother of Joey and Susie because they share the same last name. So that's an interesting negotiable point. And that should be the way it is. That should be the discussion. You know what? I understand that you may not want me to have your last name now that we're getting divorced. I can understand that. But this is my thinking. I want the school to know. I want, you know, the uh, karate class to know. I want, you know, our social, the more friends our child makes, I want them to know that, you know, easily we're related. We share the same last name. So maybe there's a compromise that when the kids all graduate, the consideration to go back to the maiden name uh, could be a reality. You know, maybe look at that. But if you hate your maiden name, 
Maybe you should say that. Oh, gosh, I understand totally, totally that you would want your name back, that you wouldn't want me to use it. But, oh, my gosh, my maiden name, I was so happy to get rid of it, you know? See if there's something else you can negotiate. Eight, I have no money. That's what people say when they're hiding money. I have no money. I have no money. And of course, the other person is always worried that assets have been hidden. Well, okay. It really depends on how much you think is hidden when that, when the I have no money is spoken. It really, really matters. So in that case, there are forensics that can be hired. If you think there's enough money that you should worry about, there are forensic accountants that should, that can be hired. And that'll make it all work out okay. And lastly, what to do when one or both spouses are angry and one spouse is crying and the mediation. Can't do a mediation when somebody's crying. And so I just say, look, I wish I could mediate. I can't. Um, I need you both to be calm. It upsets the other spouse. The mediator can't think. And that means you haven't done your grieving. Now, if it really has to happen, if there's decisions that have to be made, the house has to be sold, you know, the you know, thing, the ceiling is caving in on you. If that really has to happen, then okay. Um, I would separate the spouses. Or if you're with another mediator, ask if there's two rooms you can go in. Because it'll, at least it'll allow the spouse who's extremely emotional to be calmer and the mediator can get more work done. So if you're the spouse that isn't crying and you know your spouse is overly emotional, then ask for separate rooms too. Just know that when you're in separate rooms, it's much easier for the spouse who's still grieving and is very emotional. And then your mediator can get work done and negotiate back and forth between the rooms. Okay, so that's it for me. I hope this was helpful to you. Hurdles, most of them can be handled. We just need to know how to handle them. I appreciate all of you who listen and subscribe. Please share this with your friends and give me your comments on the uh, on the topic, on my comments and uh and let me know if there's other things, other additional things I should cover on this topic. And as you know, I always end with have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else. <laughs>